Hello, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Thanks for joining us. The name of the show is Across the Pond because we recorded over here on the east coast of the United States, right outside of Philadelphia, the city of love. and Brotherly <laughs> love, sisterly love, all kinds of love. And we, we like talking about red-letter Christianity. By that, we mean the uh, the old Bibles that have the words of Jesus highlighted in red. That's what we're about. We, we love the whole Bible, but we, we really believe that we understand it through the lens of Jesus, and we understand the world we live in through the lens of Jesus. And uh, we we have the the gift of having a lot of really great yeah. friends. Yeah, um, and, and we got a one of them we, for we, today. And we get to have them on the show. Um, there are few people that have shaped the church more in the last 30 years than Brian McLaren. I can remember reading Brian's books, uh, uh, Generous Orthodoxy, A New Kind of Christian, so many of his early books, and he's kept writing. I mean, I don't even, we'll hear yeah. from in a minute how many he books writes, he's writes, written. Writes, writes. Writes prolifically, but he also lives this out. And I can remember in moments where we've been together um, in some really hard conversations, and Brian has always been a voice of grace and love for those who disagree with him. And we sure need that in the world right now. So Brian, hey buddy, uh, thanks for joining us. It's great to talk, man. Yeah. And can you tell us about the new book you're working on? Well, sure. First, let me say two of my favorite people in the world. I'm so glad to be with you uh, uh, in this conversation. So I just uh, had a book come out uh, a few weeks ago called The Galapagos Islands, A Spiritual Journey. And in the UK, they released it with a different title, it's called God Unbound Theology in the Wild. And that book is one of my favorite things I've ever written. It gave me a chance just to talk about the beauty of creation and then to talk about things like Charles Darwin, evolution, oh, and, and climate and the environment and ecology. So it's one of my favorite things I've ever had, had the chance to write. So that just came out. Um, and then now I'm working on my next book, which is called Faith After Doubt. Faith after doubt, and you you also did uh, you worked together with uh, on this children's book too. Tell us about that because we at our annual retreat we read it together, and it was one it was lovely. It was like uh, you know story time for all of us. Oh, tell us go. about that. One. <laughs> oh, that makes me happy to hear, it, Shane. Um, so Gareth Higgins and I, along with a gifted award winning illustrator uh, named uh, named uh, Heather, uh, we created a uh, a. a picture book uh, called Corey and the Seventh Story. And it's a book uh, for children, but it, it, we've heard from a lot of adults. In fact, we've heard of pastors who've read it as their sermon and Sunday school, adult Sunday school classes that have used it for a kind of uh, study over a period of several weeks. So that's been really a thrill. But it's, it's the story. Uh, it's a story with animals as the characters and a little village and uh, they try to figure out the stories that are uh, running things. And uh, one of our goals in this is we think it's really important to help people become literate in stories. In fact, when I look back on my upbringing as an evangelical, where I was just immersed in the Bible and all its stories, I realized that one of the gifts I was given was a kind of literacy and storytelling. So mm. that's what we're trying to convey in this, uh, uh, in this book. It's so good. And you've done so many different things. Some of them are story-ish, fiction, theological. You've even written some songs. Have you heard him sing songs? He's got some you know, incredible I, songs. I, I, he plays a guitar. The guy's multi-talented, <laughs> man. But, you know, yeah. I, I wonder right now, you know, in this this like moment in history 
what you feel, uh, what's kind of some of the fire in your bones right now? What, what are you feeling like we, we need to be talking about and doing right now? Because you're doing so many different things. But tell us a little bit about, you know, as you're reading the signs yeah. of the times, what you're feeling right now. Well, look, the, the first thing I have to say, I mean, this is the most honest and sort of gut-level reaction. Um, I, I just feel like quoting uh, from morning to night uh, Greta Thunberg from, uh, from Sweden, you know, the young woman who's trying to wake the world up about climate change. And I love what Greta says. She says, people ask me to give them hope. She says, I don't want to give you hope. I want to make you panic because the house is on fire. Mm, and I feel oh. that, that what we're dealing with right now is a realization that our house is on fire on many different levels. You know, obviously in the UK with Brexit, everything that's going on there here in the U.S. with uh, Trump and uh, all of the corruption and uh, hatred that's being stirred up in Trump's name uh, and in, in the name of uh, white Christian nationalism. I, I, I think we have to say that our whole system. Uh, our economic system, our political system, even our religious systems uh, have in some ways been captured and turned toward the end of money. In other words, uh, well, some, uh, here in the U.S., on our dollar bills, it says, in God we trust. And somebody said, we write in God we trust upon the God in which we trust. Mm. And uh, I, I, what I feel on fire about is that the only organization that is that ought to be standing up against the love of money and against money as the ultimate value uh, is the faith community. Mm. And sadly, too often our faith communities have been captured by money as well. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of our great challenges, and it's something I'm sort of fired up about. It's it's like the uh, the 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 quintessential example of using the Lord's name in vain, <laughs> yeah. putting it on your oh money. As Wendell Berry says, uh, you know, he says our our money may say in God we trust, but our economy looks a lot like the seven deadly sins. Uh, oh and God. you know, I think Brian, one of the things that has become clear to me as as we sort of you know brand everything with Christianity in America. Uh, Kierkegaard said, "Where everything's Christian, nothing's Christian." That we're yes. kind of in danger of inoculating people, um, like like with a vaccine of a disease, you get a watered down version and it knocks it out of you. And I, I you know, there's a whole movement of folks that are leaving the church, the empty the pews, the ex evangelical, and you're one of those that I think has affirmed the pain and the legitimate trauma that some folks have experienced in the church, some by act, you know, physical abuse, others by other forms of abuse, but, um, and yet you still believe in the church. So I, I wonder if you could speak a little bit um, how you na- navigate that right now, because you, you, you seem to still believe in the church, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I do, but my gosh, some days it's hard. Uh, you know, you, you, you watch... Uh, to me, just blatant uh, hypocrisy in so many of the leaders, you know, and I don't mind naming names, people like uh, Franklin Graham, Robert Jeffress, uh, Pat Robertson, uh, 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 you know, and just the, the whole group of people here in the U.S. who, uh, who don't have any sensitivity toward the realities of racism or so little sensitivity, who have so little uh, sensitivity, if not outright denial, uh, about climate change and the environmental crisis we're in, uh, who who seem oblivious 
to poverty. They're, they're happy to try to give charity to the poor, but never address the actual causes that, mm. uh, of poverty and the things that thrust people into poverty and keep them in poverty. And and so when I see all that, I understand why people leave. Um, and, uh, and, and what maybe is even worse than this sort of blatant uh, uh, compromise is the complicity and silence in the vast majority of religious leaders. And it just makes me sick. But here's the problem. If, if we all give up on faith communities, what do we have left? Do we think that politics is going to solve our problems? Do we think the academy is going to solve our problems? <laughs> do we think that business is going to solve our, all our problems? And this is why I think we just have to say, look, every dimension of human life uh, is sick. <laughs> to quote Jeremiah, it's desperately sick, mm. and uh, uh, including religion. And, and here's the irony. At this point, my faith stops being in religion. My faith stops being in the church. And in fact, it in some ways pushes me uh, to a deeper kind of faith. My faith stops being in Christianity, in the Christian religion, and my faith goes deeper into God, deeper into Jesus, deeper into the Holy Spirit, and uh, because I just sense, yeah, we need something to sweep across us and rise up through us and kind of spread like a good wildfire through our hearts, and, mm. uh, because every area of life is, uh, is sick. So good. So good. Well, this is uh, uh, just to, to make sure those of you that are joining us know this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. And we have uh, on the show this week a, a dear friend and someone we admire so much. Brian McLaren is our guest. And uh, uh, there's so much we could talk about. I, I think one of the things that you were just kind of talking about a little bit is how you've built some relationships uh, across different faiths. And, and you and I, Brian, went to the Holy Land together. We've had a lot of friendships with Muslim leaders and, uh, and Jewish rabbis and others. Um, and uh, as our, our friend Jackie Lewis sometimes says, that God doesn't only speak Christian. Um, the Spirit <laughs> moves. Truth uh, is, is uh, found in different, uh, a lot of different places. And even though we think Jesus is the way to life, uh, sometimes Christianity uh, has doesn't resemble Jesus very well. <laughs> and, and other yeah. people seem to be uh, after a lot of the things Jesus was after. So talk a little bit about what you've learned from working with folks of other faiths. Other religions. Well, you know, I'll tell you what's really been interesting to me about that, uh, uh, Shane and Tony, is uh, when I'm with people of other religions and we get beneath the surface, I find out that they have the same problems Christians have. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, in other words, there, there's a sort of right wing in almost every religious tradition that wants good for their religious tradition and, and sometimes wishes harm on others. You know, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's, there's a tendency to religious supremacy in many religions. Um, there's a, a, a tendency to a corruption where religious leaders uh, in, are involved in sexual and financial scandals. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's just uh, division and sectarianism and pride and all kinds of uh, ugly stuff. And so then I start realizing, oh, you know what? All religions are human endeavors and humanity has problems. <laughs> so these problems show up everywhere. So one thing I would say is that we all have similar problems. I think about a rabbi friend of mine, Sharon Browse. I love Sharon so dearly. Sharon, as a rabbi, spoke up about the human rights 
of Palestinians in a blog a couple of years ago. And did you know she started receiving death threats from her fellow Jews because she dared to speak up Mm. for the human rights of Palestinians? Well, guess what? If a Christian speaks up for the rights of LGBT people or a Christian speaks up about the human dignity of Muslims, they're going to get some death threats from their fellow Christians too. So what I realize is that sometimes the biggest difference, I don't think, is between a Christian and a Buddhist or a Muslim and a Hindu. I think the biggest difference is between people who are moving toward love and people who are moving toward self-interest. Let me ask you this. Man, that was a good word. Yeah, I feel moved by that. (laughs) He he said it well. Uh, You came on the scene and really made a great impact with a book uh, you wrote several years ago, uh, I think it was a, a new kind of Christian. Um, yes. Could you tell us a little bit about what motivates you to write that book and why that book you feel made such an impact on the Christian world? Well, first I've got to say, Tony, I uh, my writing was inspired in many ways by you. You know, you were one of those voices who wasn't afraid to say uncomfortable truths, and and I remember watching a group of uh, my fellow evangelical Christians when I was uh, younger, uh, just, you know, going after you. So, and the fact that you survived and you responded with grace and you just kept moving forward, that gave me uh, a lot of courage. But here was my basic uh, situation. I was a pastor, and uh, I more and more had uh, two kinds of people making appointments to come see me. Some of them were people who grew up evangelical or Catholic, and they were on their way out of Christianity. And then the others were secular people or people without a religious background who were trying to get in. Um, and what? And it was almost like they were meeting at the front door, some on their way out, others on their way in. And what they both were saying is something's not working in the way uh, the Christian faith is functioning right now. There's something wrong. There's something amiss. And the people who are seeking for God would say, there shouldn't be all these barriers. There shouldn't be all of these obstacles to me trying to get in touch with God, trying to learn about Jesus, trying to respond to the sense of calling I feel in my heart. It feels like this religion is putting one speed bump or one roadblock in the way after another. And then for the people who are inside looking out, they were saying, yeah, I, I just feel like I'm being pressed to say things I don't really believe, and I'm being pressured to not say things that need to be said. And so that sense that something wasn't right, I felt it too. And I think I was given courage, first by you know people like you, Tony, and, and later you, Shane, who inspired me so much. But uh, then I was given even more courage by the pain of the people in my congregation. Mm. Uh, Could you give us some of those roadblocks that you were talking about, uh, some of those barriers? Sure. Well, let let me give you two examples that just come to mind, right, as soon as you say that. Um, Now, this is, you know, this is back in the 1980s, so this is a long time ago. But uh, I I can't tell you how many uh, people came out to me. I was the very first person they ever told they were gay. Or parents would come to see me, and I was the first person they told that they just found out their son or daughter was gay. And the way that the church, uh, you know, just stigmatized and and uh, uh, rejected and shamed and and bear, bore false false witness against um, 
against gay folks and their families. That was a big one. Um, and uh, of course, back in those days, I didn't know that I would become part of that story too, because uh, you know I, I have four children, and uh, two of my children are gay. Um, they later came out, but I was grappling with this with members before it ever was uh, something I realized I was going to deal with in my family. Um, and then uh, I, I'll never forget, <laughs> I was at a party once that uh, a couple in our church put on, uh, it was a party that where they invited some of their church friends, but they just invited friends from their neighborhood. So they invited me, and I'm sitting on a couch talking to this lady, and she said, what do you do? How do you know so-and-so, you know, this couple? Um, and I said, oh, I go to the same church they do. I didn't say I was a pastor. I just said I go to the same church. And then she said, oh, you know, I'd love to go to church, but I never could. Hmm. I said, well, how come? She said, well, I'm pro-choice. <laughs> and I... I realized that on the issue of abortion, her message that she'd received from the church was that the church was uh, like all or nothing. And if you don't follow their political uh, and, you know, their their sort of culture war stance on abortion, that you weren't welcome. Mm. And uh, and so I, I, I look at those issues and I think the, the that politics and exclusion have such a have taken over so much of our our churches and they've been in some ways they've been taken over by conservative ideology and that that you know the three of us know who pay attention to the red letters uh in in the new testament we know that there's one thing that jesus would never ever ever be accused of in his day and that was being conservative Hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I mean, now, now that's so good. I, the the you know one of the things that you, you I want to make sure we don't run out of time before we talk about is the environment because you care so deeply about this. Some of us that watched the debates last night, they didn't get asked about the environment. And uh, as you uh, quoted our sister uh, Greta, it's the, the house is on fire. So, but not you haven't just been writing about this in a big way. Brian and I have been fishing together. He's you know collected, uh, rescued some turtles that are endangered and things like that. So you're like trying to live a- as authentically as you can, but tell us like how you're navigating. What what can we really be doing right now to try to be better caretakers of the earth? Well, you know, the, the first thing is everybody has to learn it as much as they can stand. And I, I say it that way because the more you learn, you reach points where it, it threatens to freak you out. You know, it threatens to push you over the edge. In other words, if, if a person isn't feeling uh, the possibility of despair, they haven't done their homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how bad things are, right? And I think we actually have to try to understand how bad things are. Let, let me say two things, because I know time is limited. The first is that um, I think there's always a next step, and the next step will never be the last step, right? So if you don't recycle, then you start recycling. If you recycle, then you try to buy less, and you try to reuse things and fix things more. Um, I'll tell you something I'm excited about. Uh, just a week ago, my solar panels got turned on on the roof of my house. And hey, us too. So I, we just got them too. Oh, it's exciting. And I just, right at this moment, um, electricity is being generated on my roof, which means I need less fossil fuel generated electricity. So that's exciting. And, and people can make commitments to say, I will never buy a car that uses uh, more gasoline than the one I have now. Or they can go farther and say the next car, if I have a gas powered car now, the next car I get will be a hybrid. Or, or my next car will now. be a bicycle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
and, and so we just keep moving. That's one thing I'd say. But the second thing I'd say is we all have to start imagining that there is going to be a new kind of economy. You know, uh, uh, we, we have a, a profit-driven economy, and we have to start imagining a love-driven economy. And people mm. might say that's crazy, but I don't think it's crazy. I think it's a matter of survival. A love-driven economy, a common good-driven economy is what we uh, deeply need. And we, we don't know what it looks like yet, and we're watching our respective governments across the, on each side of the Atlantic uh, uh, teeter on the verge of, of collapse and insanity. Um, but guess what? Uh, something better can come, and we have to start imagining it and dreaming it. Mm. Let, me, uh, let me interject at this point that as you make the case for a uh, Christian perspective on the environment, rescuing the environment from the destructive forces that are presently destroying God's creation, I think you're going to find that your greatest opponents, particularly in the United States, will be evangelical Christians. They have, in fact, fallen in love with Donald Trump, who doesn't believe that there is such a thing as global warming. Uh, We have an anti-environmentalist movement generated within the evangelical community. Uh, Jesus once said, uh, if you become one of my followers, you'll find that your greatest opponents— will be those in your own household. Could you comment on the evangelical response to the environmental crisis that we are all facing right now? I was at a meeting once, Tony, and I won't go into the details because I don't want to expose anybody, but I was in a meeting of evangelical leaders once, and a, uh, I'll just say a Southern Baptist leader, um, uh, halfway through this meeting, stood up and said, I'm convinced that climate change is real. This is, we were trying to introduce evangelical leaders to the reality of climate change. And a series of speakers, uh, all evangelical Christians, presented the evidence. And it was absolutely compelling. Any, anybody who pays attention to the evidence will be convinced. Um, and so he says, I'm convinced. But here's the problem, he said. Um, to address a problem this big, it will, will require big government. And, uh, and our denomination is committed to small government. And, uh, and so we will not accept this information. <laughs> I felt like what, what this fellow was saying is that he would rather have extinction than have to rethink his politics. Mm. And, and this is the absurdity, and this is the degree to which economics, it's not just politics, it's, it's economics. People have hitched their wagon to... Uh, to an economic ideology that makes it impossible to accept information that will undermine that economic Mm. ideology. And what's especially scary on this side of the Atlantic, for white Christians whose ancestors engaged in slavery, and on on the other side of the Atlantic, in the UK, where there was a British empire that did its share of land theft and Mm. oppression and exploitation. Yeah is that our ancestors said we can't change, it would shake up the environment. Mm. And oh I mean, God. there's also some uh, really bad theology connected to all that too, where I heard one uh, pastor say, uh, we're expediting the apocalypse by driving SUVs. So uh, yeah. it's just a pretty bad, uh, Some so we'll, we'll stop there. But we got just a minute or so left, Brian. And I, you've been at this so long, I wonder if you could just say a little bit about 
how you how you're caring for your soul these days and um, what your your spiritual life looks like revitalized. And we just got a minute or so, but I think that's important for us to hear. Well, actually, that's a really good connection for me to what we were just talking about because. You know, I believe that God is the creator, and I believe, uh, obviously, I love the Bible, but I believe that God's first Bible, really, is creation. And so one of the things that restores my soul is to just be outdoors and walk, to feel the, the change of seasons, to see the pattern of, of veins in a leaf, to mm. think about the structure of a tree, to watch the inner connection of birds and insects and trees and sunlight and soil and all of the rest. And when you start to feel the connection and how everything is always giving of itself to something else and receiving from something else, I just see the beauty of God's kingdom, the beauty of God's web of life. And, and that sustains me. When human beings seem, bent, uh, seem hell-bent on self-destruction and destruction of everything, I go back and I, I say, no, God has built renewal and restoration and 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 uh, health and vitality and resilience in the creation and i want my soul to be kind of baptized and bathed in that so good well i wish we could talk for uh hours more but we'll have you back this is shane claiborne and tony campolo our guest has been brian mclaren our dear brother and friend so read his books go hang out with jesus in the creation and we will see you back at this time next week God bless and keep you all and keep you into the word, the red letters of the word, red letter Christians. Amen.